Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 130. I'm here with Joe Wire. How you doing, Joe? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. We had to do this a second time because <laughs> Joe said hello to Joe. Right. Uh, Joe Wire, despite his inability to welcome people to Gunfighter Cast, he is a pretty awesome guy. He's a director of training and the SRT team commander for Alliance Police Department. He's also the range master for one of the nation's top training facilities, Alliance Police Training. Joe, thanks for joining me on Gunfighter Cast. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, you're, uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm up here at Alliance right now, and I just finished a mechanical, thermal, and ballistic breaching class. So I am officially have a certificate that says I achieved, I finished a breaching class. I, I don't know if I would call myself a breacher. Uh, actually, no, I wouldn't. But I, I have the skills and knowledge necessary to breach things, and I had a lot of fun getting those things. So I'm. I'm I'm pretty much a breacher. Kind of, right. Kind of a big well, deal. You got a certificate of completion, not a certificate <laughs> of attendance. Uh, sometimes we have to give those out. So, uh, you know, you completed the course. So that's, you know. Cool. Awesome. Uh, now we're in the middle of, expo- or not in the middle, but we just finished day one of explosive breaching. Uh, so if I keep all my fingers and I pass all the tests and everything else, then I will be, I'll have a certificate of completion of explosive breaching. Yep. Man. On Thursday. My mom is going to be proud. Um, <laughs> So seriously, uh, we've got a, a really, really good show that uh, I think that, that you guys are going to get a lot out of. And we got a couple more planned. So you're going to see Joe in the next few episodes because uh, we got a, quite a few good episodes planned. This one, we're going to talk about interacting with law enforcement. And when I say interacting with law enforcement, how, how long have you been a law enforcement officer, Joe? 22 years. 22 years. Uh, have you interacted with the public at all? Absolutely. Years. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, so, for some good reasons and for some bad. Right. You, and that's the thing that, man, law enforcement mm-hmm. officers usually deal with people on their worst day in a, in a lot of cases and really tough job. Um, have you ever dealt with anybody who was caring? Absolutely. Cool. That's what we're going to get into right after this. Primary Weapon Systems, or PWS, is a state-of-the-art machine shop in Boise, Idaho. PWS makes almost all their rifle components in-house, and the parts they don't make, they acquire from the highest quality manufacturers in the United States. The Mod 2 Series rifles from PWS are some of the most feature-rich ARs on the market. One of those features is the Mod 2 Enhanced Buffer Tube which has a ratchet lock design that eliminates the need for staking while providing a solid lockup with the ability to remove it easily in the future. Go take a look at primaryweapons.com. Primary Weapon Systems. Because it's time. All right, welcome back. If I didn't cover everything that you do or have done, which I'm sure I didn't in my little sentence that I, I had there, what do you do and, and who are you? Uh, well, uh, I'm born and raised here in Alliance, Ohio. Uh, went to a local uh, high school here, graduated, uh, went into the Army, uh, earned my way into the 2nd Ranger Battalion, um, <clears throat> got out of the Army, uh, came back here to Alliance because this is where my family is. I've had construction jobs here and there and things like that throughout my life. I've always always had at least two jobs, um, but uh, got hired on the Alliance Police Department and uh, within one year of being on the Alliance Police Department, uh, myself and two other individuals, uh, Mike Jones and Jeff Carper, were tasked with starting what is now the Alliance Police Department's SRT team or SWAT team. Um, uh, work patrol for 12 years, uh, worked the Detective Bureau, uh, worked part-time in uh, narcotics, um, was a sex crimes detective, uh, all while uh, being in charge of the police range. Uh, I got put in charge of the police range in 96, um, mostly on a voluntary basis uh, until the last couple of years where it's actually grown into where it's a full-time job. Awesome. So a lot of experience there to draw from, and we're going to do our best to do that. So what do you think of regular old non-law enforcement armed citizens carrying defensive handguns? Uh I think everyone should be issued a gun at birth. <laughs> and a lot of my uh, colleagues in, in uh, law enforcement, uh, you know, feel the same way. Uh, we feel so strongly about it that I actually started my own side business uh, where we uh, do uh, a significant amount of CCW classes uh, to help uh, arm citizens here in Ohio. You know, just having a gun, that's part of it. But you're, you're providing them training as well and, and good training because there's, there's there's training out there that's not the best. And uh, But when somebody wants to go get some training and, and carry a gun, you you're not, you don't have that attitude like uh, that I've heard that some people may have 
well, man, I did the academy and I'm qualified. I earned the right to carry this gun. And they, they didn't, you know, like I, I think that's completely moronic because you don't earn it. It's God given, right? That's right. Um, so, you know, in my experience, uh, uh, there's two different types of police officers that uh, don't appreciate citizens carrying guns. Um, police officers, uh, at least in this area, uh, don't go to become police officers because of the pay is great. Uh, you know, most it's a calling uh, uh, to uh, to serve the community. Uh, you know, I come from a family of uh, you know public servants. Um, I'm the first police officer. Uh, of my family, but uh, my family's, you know, dabbled in public service for generations. <clears throat> um, the uh, the first type of police officer that generally doesn't like uh, citizens carrying guns is, as you uh, pointed out, uh, a new fledged police officer, some somebody who has gone to the police academy uh, and uh, you know worked really hard uh, to become a public servant, and they identify. Uh, part of their new um, uh, part of their new life as a police officer with carrying a gun. That's what makes them different than everyone else. Um, and that officer, like I uh, like I alluded to, uh, wants to be a public servant, and they they want to help people in a time of crisis. Uh, those police officers pretty quickly learn uh, that when a citizen truly needs help they you they don't teleport there you, you know uh, and the most important part of uh, law enforcement uh, you know law enforcement is uh, reactive not proactive when something terrible is happening to you or your family uh, we don't show up in time we show up to take the report I've had two decades of law enforcement under my belt uh, I have not intervened in a single rape I've not intervened in a single robbery. I've not intervened in a single uh, home uh, uh, invasion. Uh, all, all of these things happen with no police presence. Um, so pretty quickly, that young police officer uh, comes to the conclusion that citizens need to be able to protect themselves and their family. And in fact, they don't just need to. It, it is their responsibility to protect themselves and their family. It should not be a citizen's, uh, you know, citizens that choose to uh, allow someone else to do that never come out very far ahead in these types of situations. Right. The, the second type of police officer, in my experience, that that is against uh, the citizen being armed is uh, the elected official. Or, uh, you know, it seems like the higher you go up in the chain of command in policing. You start uh, carrying carrying more about liability than you do lives. That's right. Uh, well, and, you know, a lot of, uh, sh- you know, there's a lot of sheriffs in, in our country that are elected. Um, you know, there's police commissioners that, are, you know, could be elected, uh, you know, and all of a sudden they don't want to hang their political views of arming the citizen out there uh, because they're trying to be political. It's not really probably even so much that they're against the citizen carrying the gun. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, they just don't want to be very open about it. Um, so. You know, the the lion's share of law enforcement, in my experience, and I, and I have contact with a lot of police officers uh, out here at our training facility, they want citizens carrying guns. Uh, and all of our uh, training here at our Alliance City Police Range is open to citizens to come and attend with us as well. Uh, so uh, other than the explosive breaching. I have a hard time justifying uh, having that be an open. So, if there's a class. an Alliance PD handgun class or rifle class, or anything, citizens can sign up right on the website and come train right beside us. Man, that's awesome, and it's so rare. And you know, I'm teaching here in June. There's tons of my friends and other people come here and teach all the time, and they're open enrollment classes. That's you know, right. They, they come here and do it. Like this, I, I see a lot of ranges that are law enforcement. Oh no, if, I was actually in a class not too long ago where. They, they asked a couple of people to leave because when they filled out the paperwork at the beginning, they weren't with an agency. And then you know, because I'm retired mill and still technically reserved and everything, I got to do it. Uh, but they had to leave because that agency that owned the range allowed zero civilians to even fire around or do anything on that range. If they weren't a, a – well, I mean, 
personally, I consider law enforcement their civilians too. Uh, but the, they wouldn't allow any person with a, a non-law enforcement commission uh, to be on that range. So they asked them to leave. Uh, and I see a lot of places that way. I've went to ranges and asked them if I could use their range to teach classes. And they told me that, no, it's law enforcement only. And I was like, well, I pay taxes. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, you guys actually do that. Uh, yeah. So, well, uh, y- you know, um, citizens being armed is, is important. Uh, citizens uh, being trained is even more important. Um, you know, I, I don't know if anybody's looked around and realized this or not, but uh, as law enforcement in this country, we're severely outnumbered. Uh, the only reason why uh, society works the way it is is because the majority of society wants there to be law and order. Uh, I mean, think about this, right? Uh, how many times does a, a person speed or uh, drive drunk or run a stop sign, even if it's a rolling stop without getting caught? You know, uh, all you know, stop sign wouldn't work if no one wanted to have law and order in our country. Everybody would run the stop sign. Your chances of getting caught for doing such a thing is very low. Um, if law and order breaks down, police officers are... are massively outnumbered Mm -hmm. you know at any given time in our city uh we have four patrol cars on the road max you know that's a city of twenty-two thousand people at night and eighty thousand people during the day you know uh, four people cannot uh cannot keep law and order in a situation like that unless the citizens want it um and when those things break down we we need we will need citizens to help us yeah absolutely so we're going to talk a little more about that here in a second of like helping a citizen, helping an officer. Uh, but for now, let's say you encounter an armed citizen in a traffic stop. Like you're pulling them over, and they've got. To go. How do you like to see that go down? Traffic stops are always the go-to question here. Um, I've got another one that's similar too. Yeah. So uh, I just kind of want to you know lay some groundwork here. Um, you know, mostly what I you know the the, the CCW laws and the interaction with the police that I am an expert on are Ohio laws. Uh, I know that all states have different laws. Uh, As I talk to you in this program about how to interact with the police, um, it's because uh, if you follow what I tell you to do, no matter what state you're in, you're pretty much going to be okay. Uh, Now, uh, that being said, uh, your listeners need to see what the laws are in the states that they are in uh, to make sure that they're doing things the right way. Uh, if you ask a room full of people who all has been stopped by the police, almost all of them will raise their hand. That's, that's a part of life. You know, uh, everyone gets stopped by the police. Uh, when you have interaction with law enforcement though, I want, I want your, uh, li- uh, listeners to think about all the different types of law enforcement that there are, that the, the, the things that we're about to talk about aren't just uniformed officers. It could be game wardens, watercraft officers. It could be uh, park rangers. It could be, uh, a, a, you know, a vast array of, you know, when we talk about law enforcement, uh, there are many different aspects of law enforcement. And this would, uh, this would, uh, you know, fall into all of those criteria. Um, but, uh, Stop if if you're driving down the road and you're getting pulled over, um, jump out of the vehicle very quickly and start waving your concealed carry permit. <laughs> That's actually not a very good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, no. um, if uh, first of all, you know, I'd like to say uh, if you're getting pulled over, don't take it personally. Uh, the reason why you're being stopped might have nothing to do with you. You know, uh, it could be the officer investigating. Uh, a crime that happened where a car that you're driving matches that description. You know, don't don't take it as a personal thing, uh, getting pulled over. Uh, when the overhead lights come on, uh, f- first thing that you should do is not put your seatbelt on. <laughs> the first thing that you should do is find a safe place to pull over. Um, a lot of law enforcement are hurt each year, uh, getting hit by cars, uh, getting pulled off to the uh, side of the road uh, where... Uh, it's safe uh, for that officer to conduct that traffic stop. If it's a two-lane road, uh, pull off into a driveway or a parking lot far enough that the police officer can pull in behind you. Uh, next thing you should do, uh, and I, I kind of like to tell people to do things one way, the same way, all the time. Uh, that way they don't forget it. 
So um, once you're pulled over, you're going to turn your dome light on, roll your window down, uh, and place both hands on the steering wheel in plain view. Um, that allows the officer to be able to see into the vehicle uh, and see where your hands are. Um, if you have a, a car that has heavily tinted windows, you should roll all four windows down so that officer has clear view into the vehicle. Want me to just keep going? Uh, yeah. Okay. Man, no. All right. Oh, I, I kind of feel like I'm taking over your, your show here. That's my favorite kind. <laughs> Don't let me stop you. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, um, never exit your vehicle unless you're told to do so. Uh, exiting your vehicle is an act of aggression uh, through the eyes of the police officer that has stopped you. Uh, the safest uh, place... Uh, for uh, you to be is in that vehicle. Uh, you're safe from getting hit by a vehicle uh, that's traveling down the road that you were just stopped on. Uh, and uh, that officer uh, can control the situation better if, you're, if you remain in your car. Um, in Ohio, uh, you have to notify the officer at the first most practical moment that you have a concealed carry license and that you have your gun on you. Uh, now, you know, lots of folks will say, well, you know, what if you don't have your gun on you? Uh, in my opinion, uh, and in, and many of my colleagues' opinion, uh, having a CCW license is not something that you should be ashamed of. Uh, it's not something that you should try and hide from the police. It says so, you've met a certain standard of society that you're, you're probably not some kind of evildoer, right? That's right. It, it, uh, it uh, tells the officer that uh, not only have you passed a background check and you don't have a violent history, it tells the officer that you're a responsible citizen. It tells the officer that you have received training, right? And uh, it, it, everything that it tells that officer about you is good information. Yeah. Uh, it, having a CCW license puts that officer more at ease than on edge, in my opinion. Um, every officer that stops a car assumes there is something in that car that will hurt them or cause them not to go home at the end of that shift. When they encounter a citizen that has a CCW license, they start to relax a little bit. Um, some states you do not have to tell the officer uh, that you have a CCW license or that you're armed. Um, but this, these are the reasons why I think it's a good idea all around. Let's say uh, you are in one of those states or you're in Ohio and you are stopped by a, uh, a officer and you decide not to tell them that uh, you have a CCW license or that you have a gun with you. When they go back to their police cruiser and run that information, run your driver's license through the, uh, the computer in their car, the computer in their car will tell them that you have the license. If you haven't told that officer, there's now a ton of things going through that officer's mind. Do they have a CCW license or not? Is this someone else? Uh, if that person does have a CCW license, do they have a gun or do they not have a gun? If they did have one, why would they not tell me that uh, from the beginning? So it's just safer for everybody. Uh, if uh, that officer walks up to your window, you say, officer, just so you know, I have a concealed carry permit and my firearm is in a holster on my the, right what side. What the Internet's going to say, I can already tell you what the Internet's going to say. They're going to say, it's none of their business. I, that's not, I don't have to tell them that. There's no law that says I have to do that. And, you know, I get it. I get the whole, you know, my right, my gun, everything else. So when it, if I've got my wife and kid in the car and... I've had an officer draw a gun with me in the driver's seat, um, pointed the gun at me, and then took the gun from me that was in clearly plain view that I already told him it was there and everything else. And he did, long story short, he goes back to the back and he's handling a gun that he's not familiar with and he's pointing at me and my wife and my kid in the back seat. And not a guy that I, I, I didn't, I didn't, this guy shouldn't have been carrying a gun, period. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, that was a different story altogether. And, um, and his partner was straightening them out in the, in the process of all this, trying to fix them because, like, what are you doing, dude? Um, but long story short, who cares? You know, that guy, I, like, this guy's got a gun. Who knows what he's got going on in his real life? Who knows what's happening? Who knows what he just had happen to him last week on a traffic stop? I'm going to tell him, look, I, I'm a concealed carry permit holder. I've got a gun right here on my side. 
Uh, my hands are going to stay on the steering wheel unless you direct me to do something else. You know, they got I, why not? Why why do I want to get this guy's heart rate up even one more little beat per minute or beat per second? You know? Right. Well, uh, you know, you know, and, and you know, you make some great points there, but you know, there are some states that require if you're in Ohio and you fail to tell that officer that you have a concealed carry permit and that you're in that vehicle with a firearm, you can be arrested for not disclosing that. Even if the officer knew by running your plate in advance. So, uh, you know, that's why, uh, I say it's a good idea, especially if you travel Mm -hmm. to always tell, because there's no, there is not a law in this country that I'm aware of that says, uh, it's against the law to tell the policeman that you have a CCW license and a gun. You know what I mean? So, uh, if you do things the same way every time, you know, it, it just makes sense, right? Um, and, you know, you ask, uh, if I pull you over uh, and you say, I have a concealed carry license, but uh, I don't have a firearm with me today, my question is going to be, why? <laughs> you, you know, why, why aren't you carrying today? You know, um, all police officers, uh, you know, you can't lump a group of anybody that says, uh, you know, all police officers are going to think this way. All, you know, firearms trainers are going to think this way. I've been all- around more law enforcement officers in the past four years than ever in my life. Even though my dad was a, a deputy sheriff for years and retired uh, and all of his friends and everything else, but never really had these same conversations with them. And I am finding, especially the ones that go out and train and the ones that have been in fights and the ones that have almost died and then they really put in serious effort, the ones that are switched on, the more switched on ones, I've never even met one out of that group, not even one. We're talking hundreds that were like, yeah, no, the more the merrier. The more the more guns on the arms, on the citizenry and, and some training for them, come help me if I'm in distress. You know, and we're going to talk more about that here shortly too. Sure. But it's, this is, this, it's a, they see it as an asset, you know, not something they're out there worried about. I mean, yeah, you, you, there's some concern. Uh, someone got their gun in their, their little nylon, uh, whatever it is, and they're walking around and it's about to fall out as they walk through Walmart. And, you know, there's some concerns about people who don't have any experience or any training carrying guns. And I've said it before on GunfinderCast, and I'll say it again. There's folks out there that own guns and carry guns that have no business doing so. And I'm not afraid to say that. They, I, can, I can give you that stupid after stupid after stupid, but it's up to us as a community to not perpetuate stupid, but to push them to get training. And I think it's awesome to see law enforcement agencies and officers like here in Alliance come train with us, come train with law enforcement. Because I see all the time, a lot of times law enforcement doesn't want some of the armed citizens that come to my classes and other people's classes to go train with them because they're embarrassed. Like I got some guys who, who shoot rifles better than Marines I had. I got some guys that shoot handguns better than, than a lot of law enforcement officers I have. And uh, I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome that Alliance does that. Uh, we're going to take a little quick break, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to keep on going. In the 1911 world, there's Nighthawk Custom, and then there's everyone else. Nighthawk Custom makes the highest in quality 1911, under the motto, One Gun, One Gunsmith. Each 1911 is handmade with each part fitted by one gunsmith from start to finish. Nighthawk Custom is giving away one of their custom 1911s every 90 days this year. All you need to do to register is visit www.nighthawkcustom.com forward slash gunfightercast and sign up. All right, welcome back. So we've seen in a few recent events where bystanders helped officers in distress. And there's some recently, but there's been, we could look back for years and years and years and keep finding these. Uh, if, if I, I visualize a few things. Like I, I, every time I, I drive past a traffic stop and I'm looking at the lights going and I'm, I'm looking for the officer, like, or is he in the road? I'm, I'm changing lanes to get away from him. Uh, and then I'm looking, like, okay, where's the, the person that's not, that should be occupying the, the, the vehicle that got pulled over? I'm like, okay, I don't see them. They must be in the seat or they're still sitting there. Everything's good, whatever. And, but I, I look for that. It's like, all right, is that officer okay? That's one thing I'm thinking about it. Is there an accident? Do I need to stop and pull out a medical kit and render some aid to the person who's at? I, I'm, I'm assessing every, every traffic stop that I see what's going on. And if I see a dude getting out of the driver's seat with a gun pointed at the officer slinging lead, then I'm cutting the wheel to the right and hitting the gas pedal, right? So right. Like, I'm going to hit him with all the grains, as Will Petty says. Right. right. Uh, so it's uh, – but I always analyze those things. And one thing that I, I like to ask officers myself is to, so I can learn better for myself and then teach my, my civilian students, my, my armed citizens. Um, if I do see an officer in trouble, whether it's a traffic stop or the alley or in the street or uh, in the mall or anything, 
And I, and I see that officer's in distress. He's wrestling this dude that's a lot bigger than him. He's trying to get a cuff on. Or he's getting beat. He's getting hurt. How would you like to see me respond? You know, communication-wise and, and, and movement or whatever I could do. How, how, would you like to, how would you like to receive that help? Um, well, you know, uh, that's an excellent question. And, of course, you know, every situation can be... Right. This can uh, be very difficult. You know, you know, a, kick you know, him in the teeth. Uh, <laughs> or it could be... Uh, <laughs> Can I help you? You know, right. uh, you know, mostly, you know, you know, the police officer wants help. And in fact, in some states, including Ohio, uh, it is against the law to not give help to a police officer that's in need. So, you know, by failing to help that officer in some states, you could be breaking the law. You know, so uh, the law is actually on your side when it comes to most of these things. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, for every 10 guys like you that are driving down the highway looking to make sure that that officer is OK, there's one looking to run that officer over. You know, there, there are there are people out there that that completely hate the police uh, and if given the opportunity would do terrible things to the police. Now, I realize that those people are very few and far between and, and 10 to one isn't even close. It's hundreds of guys like you to to one person like that. Um, but if you're the police officer, who do you always have to assume is pulling up? Right. Right. I mean, you, you know, you have to assume it's the guy that wants to hurt you. And when you find out it's the guy that wants to help you, it's a good day uh, as opposed to the other way around. Right. Uh, so uh, calling out to that officer and say, uh, asking, you know, telling that officer, uh, officer, can I help you? Um, that, that lets that officer know yeah. uh, that you're there to help them. Um, unless, you know, the situation completely warrants it, I would not recommend that you have your gun and any kind of, uh, vision of that officer at that point, leave a gun put away unless it's needed to absolutely defend that officer's life imminently, uh, leave the gun put away. Um, the officer will be able to tell you, yes, come help me, you know, uh, you know, or, or whatever, you know, um, but that officer needs to know that you're there to help him. And, you know, he doesn't know you could be, uh, you could be the guy he's fighting with his brother, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I mean, uh, it, you know, and, and that's gotta be the first place that, that that officer's thoughts go, you know, now I have two people to fight. Um, so, you know, and, and another way to, you know, maybe kind of explain some of this stuff is, you know, talking about, you know, what level of force are you allowed to use to defend someone else, whether it's a policeman or not, you know, uh, and, and knowing what the, you know, what the appropriate actions are is something that, uh, the armed citizens should really consider and study, uh, in their state. What, what does their state laws allow them to do to defend another human being's life? And all those situations can be vastly different. Um, if I'm walking down the street and I see two people fighting that I don't even know, you don't really truly know who the victim is. Maybe there isn't even a victim in that situation. Right. Uh, inserting yourself into a situation like that uh, could, at a at a minimum, spell lots of civil problems for you if you hurt someone. You just described a force on force event that uh, you know, buddy Andy Padilla would do, and he probably still does at Thunderbird Farms Academy with our our UTM uh, force on force stuff that we would do uh, every every other Wednesday night. And uh, there's a guy. On the ground, he's got a knife in his pocket. Nobody can see it. There's a guy on top. He's got a gun on the side. But nobody can see it. And at some point, I walk by and slap my leg, and the guy pulls out his knife. And when the guy on top sees the knife, he draws his gun, and I'm bringing a third party in around that same time. They almost always cap the guy with a gun. Right. And it's you don't and have then, enough information they, to take shots yeah, right then. You and, have, and, you and, then they, the and then they find out that the guy with the gun has had a protection order against the guy with the knife for a year because that guy's been threatening him and his family's life, right? So, like, you know, my advice is... Or is an officer trying to make an arrest, you know, or anything. Sure, We right? don't have the information I mean, to pull the trigger. There, there, yeah, you don't have the information. But there are situations in our society where uh, a jury of your peers uh, would absolutely side on you in determining who the aggressor is in a situation. Um, as we, you know, started out talking about this, uh, in this episode, you know, helping a police officer, you know, no jury is going to think that you should have assumed that the police officer was the aggressor in this situation and that you should have, 
you know, done harm to the policeman. Even even if the reverse ends up being true, you know. And I get the whole jury thing and, and the litigation and all that stuff. And I, and I know we always have to talk about that. But and I, I despise the idea that there's a lawyer attached to every bullet. That I, I hate that. <clears throat> I want to punch the guy in the face who said that because right. there's a wife attached to every bullet. Sure. So there's yeah. I don't want to get locked up for the rest of my life. I don't want to lose everything. The no, small you have to make good have. choices. But at the same time, what's most important is I want to make sure I'm saving the right person. You know, and I'm actually protecting the the right person, the right. the right life. You know, that's even more important to me. I mean, yeah, the jury may clear me even though I make the wrong decision. But I got to make sure I'm making the right decision. Right. Because right? like, I, I, I don't, this officer, he needs to go home to his family. This guy was, was he he relinquished his right to live, in my opinion, the second he started trying to murder somebody. Sure. And that officer's trying to stop him from doing that. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, there, and there's plenty of situations in life where, you know, where it's pretty clear uh, who you should be protecting. Uh, if you're uh, at the local, uh, you know, convenience store uh and uh some punk comes in there to try to rob the place with a knife and the clerk won't give up the money and that punk starts trying to stab the clerk it's pretty clear the clerk here in this situation is not the aggressor uh you know and you can go to work context and relevance right you know so uh you know you know learning uh what your state allows you to be able to do in the defense of another human being is an important aspect of knowing how you can and cannot help law enforcement. Uh, but you know, main thing, you know, just recapping, you know, unless it's absolutely necessary, keep the gun put away, uh, call out, uh, to the officer from a, uh, safe distance and say, officer, is there something I can do to help you? Um, if they're unable to respond because they're being choked out or whatever, uh, you know, I mean, certainly that situation would warrant, you know, yeah. certainly you can go help that officer um, and uh, and know that, you know, in most states, the law is going to back you up in that uh, in that act. Uh, it's like the uh, Good Samaritan law. Right. Uh, if you try to uh, stop and help someone uh, that has a, uh, a medical injury, you know, it protects you from being sued as long as you don't start doing something beyond the yep. scope of, of your knowledge and skills. Good Samaritan type stuff. <clears throat> um so here, here's a good question that uh, I get asked a lot uh, by by armed citizens, and I ask officers this whenever I'm in in contact with them. I had Aaron Cowan on a while back, and we we talked about the same concept here. And I'm curious what your take on it is. Uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of armed citizens out there are concerned about active shooter. You know, we're seeing those in the workplace. We're seeing those in public places. Uh, it's my opinion that uh, based on a few different things, some historical evidence from our our enemy, uh, our nation's oldest enemy. Um, and, and what's going on, I, I think we're going to start seeing more of that. Uh, we've seen more of those violent attacks that they somehow removed the word terrorism from where they use vehicles and then knives. I one in Ohio here recently, uh, and we're seeing them running over. We're seeing active killers, right? And I, I think we're going to see more and more of that, unfortunately. And the first responders are going to be those on scenes with firearms. And there's going to be a huge law enforcement response trying to get there as fast as possible. And the more this happens the more often we're going to encounter, and we already have. There's been many times where law enforcement responded to armed citizens there who have already stopped events or had, had ended an event completely with violence um, or with use of force. But if you're responding to an active shooter and that shooter is still trying to murder people and you encounter a citizen with a gun, how would you like to see that go down? Because it's such a scary point right there because he's doing a really good impression of that person that you're making entry to go find. How do you determine that? What can they be doing to set that off to, to not get shot by you one, but then if they're willing, if they're a willing full participant to go help you, would you accept that? And if so, why? And when, when wouldn't you? Um, well, I mean, certainly we want their help. Um, but, uh, their actions shouldn't be doing harm to the situation, right? Uh, so uh, there's, there's there's so many facets of what you just asked me. I'm oh, trying yeah. to I'm trying to process it. Uh, first of all, um, I, I want everybody to consider the fact that as that police officer arrives on scene, they might see you before you're aware that they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I want to bring touch base on is the fact that. When that type of call goes out over the radio, police officers of all walks of life are responding. You know, they might look like 
you know, you or I right now, you know, uh, they, you know, not, not don't necessarily have a uniform on, yep. uh, you know, uh, it's detectives responding. It's off duty police officers that might be responding. Um, there might be, uh, off duty police officers that were at the location with their family when this jumped mm-hmm. off. Uh, so, um, you have to be, uh, taking care to not look like the aggressor, right? Um, and, and you do that by, you know, where's your gun pointed? You know, uh, can the officer see what you're doing? Uh, body language plays a lot into this. Uh, I, I always talk about a weapons handling skill. You know, I can tell by looking at somebody even half a second if they're trained or untrained. Right. And, and if I look at somebody, and that doesn't, doesn't tell me if they're a good guy if they're trained. They could still be uh, like some of these shooters we've seen recently who spent time in the Army or, or have, to have had some training or paid for training. Um, but good guy talk. Anytime there's a gun out in a public environment and you're not in the act of shooting somebody that needs to be shot right then, and if you're moving or anything else, you need to have good guy talk come out of your mouth. That's right. Get out of here. Where's the shooter? I'm here to help. Where, where's the bad guy? I'm here to help. Where is he? Point me to where the bad guy is. You know, just good guy talk. Something that as soon as you come in and you see me and I'm carrying my gun in a safe manner that's safe relative all of the bystanders around there, that you recognize me of somebody almost immediately that, that may have some skill in weapons handling because I'm not pointing at this crowd of hysterical people. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to locate the threat. You know, and I, I'm not being the threat. I'm not shooting people is a very good key recognition feature, right? Um, so then what's in your mind then? Well, you know, probably if you're doing those things, what's in my mind is is you might be another off-duty yeah. police officer, right? Which is a good light to cast yourself in mm-hmm. in this situation, right? Absolutely. Um, you, know, uh, you know, that being said, you know, every police officer is confronted with the fact that, you know, if I'm visiting my kid's school uh, and an active killer situation jumps off, and and I have a gun in my hand. I I am cognizant of the fact that a responding officer, my my kids go to school in a jurisdiction that I don't work in. You know, that sheriff's deputy or that state highway patrolman that's responding might not have any idea who I am personally. Yep. And I'm wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt. Um, so, you know, always be. You know, you got to keep your head on a swivel. See what's going on around you. Uh, and you know. Another thing to think about, too, is what amount of time has elapsed? So uh, if the situation, if, if, if officers are starting to show up on the scene and the situation is starting to stabilize, there's a certain point in time where maybe it's the safest for you to back away, back away yeah. and, and remove yourself from the situation, you know, um, and, and let, you know, the officers that have responded. Now I am not by any stretch of the imagination saying if someone's actually actively hurting or killing children that you should walk away from that. That is not what I'm saying. Right. But most of these situations, by the time law enforcement's really starting to roll in heavy, it's already over. That's a great point because I, I've seen in the military side, I've been told by provost marshals that you can't carry a gun on base because if there was a shooter, we would kill the good guys too because we wouldn't know the difference. And all the data, like 100%, you know, it's <laughs> the situation is over when law enforcement arrives. That's right. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a few cases where they, they down the guy, an officer responding officer. There's quite a few that, where they down him. Uh, but a lot of times the shooting has stopped. Even by then, like they they stopped murdering people. Then they had a, a barricade for a second, and it was over. Or, or the person gave up, and they they were laying down. They were done before the officers arrived. Um, but man, it's it's we rarely see the opportunity uh, for an officer actually smoking a good guy armed citizen because that armed citizen is trying to find the the shooter right then. You know, right. It can occur. I'm not saying it's not going to sure. happen. Absolutely. I have no doubt that it will. You know, and, and, you know, there's been situations, especially in the bigger cities, where, you know, uh, uniformed officers have uh, shot and wounded or shot and killed yep. detectives. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, you, you, you have to understand that when, when you uh, when you take on that responsibility of being a person that is actively trying to help the situation you are you are no doubt putting yourself at risk you're assuming a lot um, of risk you know the same way an off-duty police officer would be uh and you know those those off-duty officers willingly take on that risk 
Um, you know, and all I'm saying is, is once you see that law enforcement is on scene, the best way that you can help that scene is to then de-escalate the situation for yourself and leave. You know, and, or or move to a emergency medicine role, and, right. and start start helping keep blood and bodies. Right. Yep. For sure. Yep. There's lots. There, there's lots of other ways to help. Yeah. You know? uh, and the and the uh, the the scene is going to be confusing enough. Um, you know, and the other thing is, is, you know, when people are running out of that building, giving the description of the guy with the gun, those folks may have seen you Yep. and they're giving the police officers the description of you being the guy with the gun. I mean, we see how confusing this is all the time. Look at any active killer situation and the news is like, uh, there's five shooters. Yep. How many? They almost uh, always, always think there's a second shooter. Yeah. You know, uh, so, you know, the, the information for hours after the incident uh, is is confusing at best. And when a citizen, when another citizen uh, sees you in a red jacket with a gun in your hand. When they run outside and tell the officers that are running into the scene, you know, the, the bat, you know, the guy with the gun in a red shirt, you know, so, the, you know, the, the, your fellow citizens could actually be given your description and the officers are taking that as you're the bad guy. So, you know, there's all kinds of things that can go sideways with this. Cool. Joe, we're going to take a, another quick break. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about when you're the responding officer to a defensive use of force, or maybe the scenario we just discussed, uh, the citizen had, had, uh, ended that active killer incident And now officers are responding. How should that go down? So we'll be right back. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. Use our coupon code GUNFIGHTER at checkout when you visit bravoconcealment.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. You're the first responding officer to a defensive use of force situation, but you don't know what that is. You know, when that call comes across, uh, depending on who called that or if the citizen that did the shooting called, maybe he had somebody call and say, hey, I just had to stop this guy. Maybe you do have the information, but a lot of times you don't have that. You would have like armed robbery in progress, you know, there's shots fired. And now you're responding to something and you don't know that when you arrived that there was a armed citizen there who saved lives in there and, and stopped somebody. And now you're arriving on scene and there's an armed citizen there with a gun out, or maybe they don't have that. What, what do you what do you recommend that person do after that defensive use of force? Um, first of all, uh, I recommend that they make sure that the scene is safe. Um, remember, uh, bad guys have friends too. Uh, bad guys have family members. They get pissed off when you hurt their friends. It, that's right. You know, so if it is not safe for you to remain at the scene, leave. Get out of the area. You know. So uh, I, I'm so glad an officer said that. You know, guy, I get sometimes people tell me that I'm wrong about that. They always, you know, you never leave the scene. They'll use the word never. Never leave the scene. It's an it's it's an admission of guilt, or it looks that way. Uh, if it is not safe for an officer to stay on a scene, you know, it's, it's I hope they don't have to shoot anybody else. You are not. There's nothing going to tell you if I have to stop somebody who's trying to rob me, take my wallet, my keys, my phone, and my car, and my kids in the back seat, and I've got to drop this dude. And his four friends are real pissed off right now, and I'm either going to have to get in another fight with my kid here with me, or get in my car and drive two blocks down the street while I'm calling nine one one. You know, I'm going to be okay all day long leaving that scene. Well, you know, it, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, in in police speak, leaving the scene to us means that you left and you didn't even bother to call. Like right. like you talk about a hit skip, right? Yeah. Leaving the scene of now an don't accident. Don't do that. Right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you know, so when you when, you know, to the, you know, to some police officers when you say leave the scene, it immediately makes them think of well, you're, tr- you know, you are going to run type thing. Yeah, yeah. You're going to leave the scene and you're not even going to bother to call anybody. You're trying to escape something that you've done Im- wrong. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. What right. I'm saying is, is leave the scene and go to the first safest place that you can and call the police. Um, they, th- that's 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 what I say. You know, make sure the scene's safe. If it's not safe, leave. Call the police. Let them know. Uh, that you were just involved in that confrontation. If you're going to stay on the scene, put the gun away. Because if you're staying on the scene, what, based upon what I've just previously told you, what is the scene? 
the scene's safe, right? Uh, if you think that you still need to have your gun out, the scene is not safe. You should get leave the scene. Am I making sense here? Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, put the gun away. If you can. That's right. If you can, put the gun away uh, before officers arrive. Uh, officers are responding to a shooting. You know, even if you don't call it in as a shooting, I'll, I'll get lots of people to get hung up on, well, if you're the one that calls the police, don't say this or that because the response... Anybody that heard those gunshots could be calling the police and saying it's a shooting. So you can't go by that anyway. Right. You know, um, you know, and everybody's got phones. That's right. Everybody has phones. Uh, you know, you, you have to understand that that officer is coming to a shooting and they don't know if you're the good guy or the bad guy. And if you're the guy with the gun standing over somebody that's laying on the ground dead, they have to assume you're the bad guy until proven otherwise. So uh, put the gun away. Make sure that the officers can see your hands. Follow the directions that the officers give you. Um, I, I get lots of people that say that you shouldn't talk to the police about the incident. And I'm not sure I subscribe to that. Uh, you do have the right to an attorney. Uh, ask for an attorney. But you still need to give the officers enough information to build a case for you. All right. Um, if you, uh, if, a, if somebody, uh, comes running at you and tries to stab you uh, and you use, uh, your gun in self-defense and you shoot the bad guy and he runs across the street into that woods over there, uh, the police officers, uh, have an obligation to make sure the guy isn't laying in the woods bleeding to death. First of all, uh, secondly, if the guy runs off and drops the knife in that woods, wouldn't it be nice if the officers went over there and found the knife that corroborated your story? Absolutely. Uh, so you know, you know, so just completely cutting off the officers. So Joe, I, I've heard people say, "Tell them you're having chest pains immediately, and they'll have to get the ambulance, and they'll have you, they'll take you to the hospital, and you won't." Uh, yeah, start out the whole thing with a lie. Right. I, I absolutely, I think that's completely now, ridiculous. Now, nothing that you say is even believable. It, it's so insane. You know? Like, the, why would he, I, these people are giving legal advice and, and training to people. And I, I think if your instructor tells you that, you need to go find a new instructor immediately. Uh, and, and if they want to argue with you that, that that's a good idea, uh, Daniel Shaw 0369 at gmail.com. I'll give my phone number. We'll have a conversation. Uh, and, and maybe I'll have Joe there with me. Uh, but it's just completely ridiculous. So I, I've read a lot of things, a lot of the experts on use of force and, and, and the courtrooms and, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Masad Ayub and, and quite a few other guys out there that have, that have got stuff and they all pretty much say the same thing. Point out the evidence, point out any witnesses. Now, I'm not saying, hey, I was at 25 yards from this guy and I fired seven rounds. Not details like that. But, hey, I think those are my shell casings because that, that's this is kind of where I was at. And I think those are his shell casings. Those four people were standing over there because when I looked over there, they were all right there hunched down looking at me. So possible witnesses, possible evidence. Um, and... You know, I'm going to How cooperate. How many bad guys were there? I'm going to cooperate 100%. <laughs> you know, if they went that way, like, yeah, he, he ran over in that direction. You know, I, I don't know all these things perfectly. There may be video that says something differently, but here's how I recall it and information that you need to, yeah, make a case for me, right? Right. Like, it's, right. It's, sure. It's, this whole, uh, you're the only one that can tell your side. Yep. You know, uh, and, uh, but here's the other thing that I'll, you know, just, this is just my opinion. Um, if the officers, uh, ask you to go back and do some kind of a taped or written statement at the police station, that is the point in time where I highly recommend that you have an attorney there. Yes. You know, uh, you know, there, there is a time and a place. If you've just taken another human being's life, uh, this isn't going to go away easily. Not to say that you're going to jail. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, is that, you know, having an attorney uh, present with you, uh, you know, during that type of questioning uh, is a smart move. Absolutely. So I, what else could we do? Um, I, I envision I, I walk into place. I'm like, OK, I'm in I'm in quick trip, for example. All the people from Wichita are giggling at me because they I would always make a joke uh, that quick trips are the most dangerous place in the entire world around the South and, and Midwest is quick trip gas station. There were, I'm not sure if they have them around here, but quick trips like McDonald's, they're all laid out the exact same. You know what you're getting when you walk inside. Uh, the monsters are in the same spot. The donuts are, everything is the same. So I use quick trip 
for almost all my scenarios <laughs> when I'm when I'm describing a situation because everybody knows what Quick Trip looks like, so they think it's the most dangerous place ever. So <laughs> if I'm in, I'm in Quick Trip, for example, and I have to drop this dude who's trying to kill people or, or, or murder the clerk or whatever's going on, I'm thinking, okay, there's these windows in the front, windows on the side. There's the place where they heat up food in microwaves because they don't really cook it, right? If I had to use my gun here, probably the safest place for me to move is move around behind that counter. And the counter is high enough, and it's got the little windows and all that, where my gun can still be out in a ready position that's safe for everybody around me, but lethal if I need to use it against another evildoer. And I get to get visibility of responding law enforcement officers before they come in. So whenever I see one pull up and get out of his vehicle right then, my gun's back in the holster covered with clothing. You know, where I can actually see them before they can see me. And not because I'm trying to get upper hand on a law enforcement officer, because I want my gun away and covered. And I, I, I refer to that as a, um, a dominant position. You know, I, I'm in a dominant position to deal with any future problems that may be occurring right here based on what just happened. Uh, to protect myself, I got full visibility, and I'm also thinking about that first officer that arrives. Uh, and what can I do to get my gun away or just set it down, drop it, you know, whatever I can do. Drop it in the guacamole. Who knows? <laughs> you know? Whatever works. Right. I think that's an excellent plan. You know, I mean, the, the, the places that you frequent, uh, you know, everyone has, a, you know, we're creatures of habit. You know, the, the places that you frequent, uh, you know, have, you know, run yourself through scenarios. I do it all the time. You know, where's the exit? If I just need to leave, you know, how, what are the ways I can get out of this building? If I need to protect myself, what is the best way to do it? Uh, what if I got to protect myself with my, you know, wife and kids or whatever, you know, so all these situations can change, can change, uh, quite a bit. Uh, most robberies go down, uh, with the guy, bad guy coming in and saying, give me the money. Right. And what does the clerk normally do? Gives them the money. Gives them the money. And what's the bad guy usually do? Runs out the door. Runs out the, the door. Money. And no one gets hurt, right? Yep. The best thing in that situation that you can be is a great witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the moment that you introduce a firearm into that situation where 99.9% of the time no one was going to get hurt, now all of a sudden there's shots being fined and quick trip. Is that what you called it? Quick trip? Quick trip. Yep. Now, now, Joe's not saying don't be ready. I'm not you saying don't be ready. Don't be behind the potato chips already ready to make that draw in case things get south really quick. And, and don't put yourself in harm's way. That's right. You know, and but- If it looks like this is going to go bad and someone's going to get hurt and I feel like I have the responsibility to protect myself uh, or another human being uh, using deadly physical force, uh, first off, I want that to be a surprise to the bad guy. Yes. You know, I, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to play fair in this situation. No. If I can do my draw stroke when that guy is looking in the other direction, then that's cards in my hand. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so, you know, introducing a firearm right away, maybe not, isn't always, uh, the, the best choice. Uh, you know, being a, even if I'm on duty in plain clothes, uh, and I'm in quick trip, and the place is getting robbed, I'm probably going to stand there and do nothing unless it looks like someone's going to seriously get hurt. Uh, and then I have, you know, have a responsibility to intervene. Unless you, I mean, well, there's, this is going to be a whole different episode right, right. here. Of you know, course, it's my yeah. kid in the bathroom right now and I'm over by the potato chips. There's a bad guy who's, who's threatening murder on somebody is not allowed to have a gun next to my kid who's not behind me. You know, that, that's just against my, one of my rules. Right. It's just not going to happen. Uh, if, if you're that, that on duty officer right there and you don't have a tactical advantage, a, a serious tactical advantage right there at the beginning, then yeah, let, let, let's just develop a little bit. But maybe if you have a serious tactical advantage right now because of where his focus is or anything else, then hey, I can safely intervene right now. He's not, is this isn't going to turn into a hostage situation immediately. It's not going to turn into this. Like you, you see by, by where their gun is and where, where you are, you know, that we could go on for this forever. It's sure. Video. But here's the thing though, uh, by just talking about these things and, uh, uh, your listeners listening to these things, uh, you know, running yourself through visualization Absolutely. drills helps you do better. You know, uh, we put police officers and citizens under force on force situations, uh, here at our facility, uh, on numerous occasions throughout the year. And it never really seems to go down, even in a training environment, the way that that person thinks that it's right. going to unfold. You know, so, you know, a lot of these things, as soon as, as soon as that situation is suddenly confronted, you know, you're suddenly confronted with this, this decision making, uh, 
a lot of times what we think we're going to do and what we actually do are vastly different, you know. So uh, extra, you know, doing the visualization drills and thinking about what would I do in this situation? How would I handle this? Uh, and, you know, change the situation every time you go into these places. You know, it, it helps you react more appropriately. Absolutely. I love what-if scenarios. I love people to ask me what-if scenarios. What if this? I used to be told all the time in the Marine Corps, what if squirrels carry machine guns? We wouldn't go squirrel hunting. You can't what-if stuff. We can what-if this to death. I love what ifing stuff. Let's do it. What, what you got to if? Let's, let's go. That's how, that's where we learn. I cannot, as an, as an instructor, a teacher, a trainer, I can't bring you onto the range with me and teach you how to respond to every single event. But if we can what if a lot of things and we can get some good, solid, vital skills, which is why I call them handgun vitals and carbine vitals and all that. Right. If we can get those things, then, uh, and with, and through those discussions, I can help people learn to think tactically. Not just shoot, but actually think tactically. Right. And, and now they can, they can, they can think problem solving. And maybe they have a little piece of a solution from this, a little piece of a solution from that. And together they're like, okay, this fits, this fits, this fits. I know how to do that. I'm ready for this. Uh, and they can put together through all these what ifs. You know, they, they have a 90% plan already. Sure. Yep. Uh, you know, I, and I, I like what ifs and I like changing the scenarios up unless, I'm teaching a class that has to be done by a certain time. And then sometimes the the, the constant what ifs can can totally bog a class down. So sometimes I I have to reel them in a little bit. Hey, lunchtime, (laughs) let's let's, let's talk about this at lunchtime. Or, hey, we're going to go to get some dinner here later on. Let's talk about those things then. Right, sure. But just you don't have time in the class. Right. You got to keep going. Uh, But it is always enlightening in, in either with live fire training, dry, force on force, um, seeing people react. People often picture the fight being, wah, 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 oh, yeah. you know, it's right. like standing there, one or two shots done, no big deal, whatever. It's all over. We're scanning left and right in slow motion and, and doing all that good stuff. Um, and, and in reality, the the speed, the ferocity, the, 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 the violence that's taking place in such a short amount of time is uh, – is astounding. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot well, different. It's, it's funny, you know, most people that I talk to and I ask them to describe their visualization um, never visualize themselves getting hurt. Never visualize, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that your visualization should include you being defeated. What I'm saying is, is, you know, man, I just got punched really hard in the face, you know, or, you know, I got stabbed or whatever. How am I going to fight through that? How am I going to, you know, come out on top? Most people's visual, visual, visualization only are the wah, wah, right? And the gunfight at the OK Corral and uh, they fire the shots and the bad guy's down and they're the hero, right? Um, you know, thinking about, you know, what do I do uh, if I've been hurt or if they snag my kid, uh, and or whatever, right? Or um, when it's all over and that officer's responding, like we're talking right, about. Right, sure. Let's think deeper. Let's right. go much further. The shooting, the shooting part is the easy part. Uh, now, the better. John, John Chapman says that uh, shooting is only 10% of gunfighting. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm with him. So, <laughs> the, when I, the way I look at it is uh, the, the better I am at the shooting part. The better I am with the manipulation, the better I am at the reloads, the stoppage clearance in case I encounter those, the better I am at the draw, the better I am at the one-handed stuff in case I am injured, any of those things, either hand, the better I am at all those things, the more my mind gets freed to think tactics. Sure. Gets freed to analyze the situation and problem solve what's most important and most difficult in that fight. Right. So we need those skills, but you know we also need to be adding in some brain power for the other stuff at the same time. Including the officers responding, uh, you know, we, there's a, a variety of things that, that could potentially happen. It's going to be pretty difficult for any of us to go through life without interacting with a law enforcement officer. And before we finish up, um, when you when you say interacting with a law enforcement officer, because we talked a little bit about this, and it's maybe silly, but I I interact with law enforcement officers on a regular basis. And I pretty much never tell them I got a gun on them. I think they right. pretty much all assume that I'm carrying a gun, right? Sure. There's a there's a there's a difference between interaction and official contact. Um, so you know, you and I have had interactions now for a week, but it's not official contact. I am not 
here in my official capacity to investigate something. Right. Uh, so, for instance, uh, someone you uh, go to go out to your car in the morning and you discover that uh, some punk broke your window out and stole your uh, AM FM radio. You call the police. That police officer is responding to your house in his official capacity. Right. That's official contact with the police. Uh, you're uh, standing in line in a movie theater. And you witness two teenagers uh, get in a fist fight and the police arrive and you walk over to be a witness and tell that officer what you observed. That's official contact yep. with the police. Uh, traffic stop is official contact with the police. Uh, if, if you're uh, in, like I said, you know, those are all scenarios with uniformed officers. You know, if you are uh, jogging through the park. Uh, and a park ranger says, uh, sir or ma'am, could I speak with you a minute? D- did you happen to notice if this windshield was broken out of this car when you got here? Uh, you know, as they're trying to narrow down when somebody did the vandalism. That's official contact with the police. You're in a deer stand, deer hunting, and the game warden walks up to you and asks you uh, to see your uh, hunting license. That's official contact. With a law enforcement officer. So if I'm getting coffee at the gas station and another officer's getting or an officer's getting coffee next to me, I should be like, I'm carrying a gun. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, uh, I, I tell people all the time, uh, we have a, a festival here in Alliance uh, called the Carnation Festival. And as part of that festival, uh, we have this thing called the uh, Rib Vest. Uh, and uh, it's a bunch of uh, people set up uh, spits and, you know, uh, cook ribs and, you know, whoever has the best w- ribs that year wins the trophy or whatever. Right. And they have uh, hundreds of picnic tables set up. So there's hundreds of people there. And I was uh, working the rib fest one time as a uniformed officer. And I had a citizen get up from eating his ribs, had uh, sauce from the corner of his mouth all the way back to both ears. Right. Uh, and he walks up to me and says, uh, you know, officer, just so you know, anything goes down around here, taps his side where his gun is and says, I got your back. That is the most annoying thing ever. You know, that is not official contact with the police. Uh, you know, the officer doesn't care. It's pretty annoying. Actually, that's, that's probably a bit worrisome. Like, you know what? A guy that would do that, I'm pretty sure I don't want him to have my back. Exactly. You know, so, you know, we're, we're not talking, when we say contact with the police, we're not, we're not speaking of casual contact, like, uh, good morning, officer, how are you? Uh, or whatever, you're passing them at the Circle K or the Quick Mart or whatever it was uh, that you were at. You know, that's not official contact with the police. We're, we're talking about that officer for whatever uh, as a part of his duties uh, is has some reason to have contact with you uh, for official business. We're going to be right back after this little quick break. And then we're going to come back and Joe is going to tell you where you can get some awesome training. Hey guys, Daniel here. Thank you so much for being a part of Gunfighter Cast and a listener of the show. If you feel that you get something out of Gunfighter Cast and you enjoy the show, why not pledge a dollar or two dollars through our Patreon site? Basically, you pledge one or two bucks an episode. When uh, some content is released at the end of that month, your card will get charged. Pretty simple and easy way to support the show when you're getting content. If not, all good. You're going to keep getting them for free. Thanks again for listening and being a part of the show. Gunfighter Cast out. All right, welcome back. Joe, tell uh, the, the listeners out there where they can track down the training that's happening at Alliance and they uh, can come train with you guys. Oh, well, um, uh, people come from all over the country, uh, military personnel, uh, police officers, uh, citizens uh, from all over the country and, in fact, all over the world uh, come to our uh, facility for training. Uh, if you go to AlliancePoliceTraining.com, uh, you can uh, see our schedule, uh, all the different instructors that we host at our facility each year, um, and uh, see what classes are being offered by uh, that instructor. Uh, the Alliance Police Department itself uh, has some staff-instructed courses that go on. Uh, the, the course that you just finished up and the one that you're in right now is an Alliance Police Training uh, staff instructed class. So, um, you know, lots of different things from, uh, we have a well-armed parent, uh, uh, class coming up here, uh, next month. We have tactical tracking classes this year. We have, um, 
Will Petty out here for fighting in and around vehicles. We have John Chapman here for uh, night vision classes, uh, um, all different types of stuff. He's doing shoot house classes. Uh, we have you coming here in June uh, for a handgun, two-day handgun, two-day carbine class. Uh, can't wait for to see those happen. I used to always tell people that if they're an instructor teaching at Alliance, they're awesome. And uh, then you put me on the schedule, so I don't know if that's still true. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Uh, uh, and we're really looking forward to that class. And, and I, you know, there are so many different instructors, and we host so many different trainings. Um, uh, last year, uh, from uh, uh, beginning of March to November 17th, I had uh, less than two handfuls of days off because the range is seriously that busy out here. Uh, it's going to be even busier this year. Um, lots of different stuff from uh, beginner level classes. We have uh, one day uh, basic carbine classes, one day basic handgun classes to shoot house classes. Uh, everything's open to everyone. Uh, you're going to hear more from Joe in the next few episodes of Gunfighter Cast. Up next, we're, we're going to be talking about something that's very important to both of us, and it should be to you as well, and that's gun safety in the home. So uh, make sure you check out the next episode of Gunfighter Cast. And thanks for listening. And until next time, Gunfighter Cast out.